0: Hi, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya, and this is episode number 94. Before I go into the episode today, I just wanted to let you know that I have contributed a little instrumental song to a compilation put together by 4,000 Records. It's called Solidarity Soundwaves. The comp is in response to the humanitarian crisis in Gaza and 100% of the funds raised will be donated to MAP, which is medical aid for Palestinians. So I'll put the link in the show notes for you if you'd like to check it out. It's a really lovely collection of songs, actually, and it's a very special project to be part of. So go check it out if you want to. But on with the show. My guest today is the amazing Hannah Joy from the band Middle Kids. The band just released their album Faith Crisis Part 1 on the 16th of February 2024. But we actually spoke a couple of months ago because Hannah actually just had a little baby. Uh, So we did this before the baby came because, as you can imagine, press just gets a little bit trickier afterwards. So we spoke over Zoom in I think November of last year, um, and the band already had a few singles out off this album. But the whole album is there out now for you to enjoy. Middle Kids have also just announced a big tour of Australia and the U.S. in May and June of this year, so make sure you keep your eye out for those. Um, Hannah's strange show story was illustrated by a friend of the podcast, Leith O'Malley, who's done another illustration as well. You can see more of his amazing artwork at leithomalley.com or on Instagram at leithomalley. As always, you can see all illustrations for Hearsay on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. So without further ado, here is episode number 94 with Hannah Joy. Very excited to talk to you. I've been obviously listening to your new album, which as we record, uh is not yet out, but I believe when this is released, will be out. <laughs> um and yeah, my immediate thoughts about listening to the album are, you know, I it makes you wanna tap your feet and dance, but it also makes me want to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's cool. We we should do both simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> Hug <Hugged laughs> dance. Just like on the dance floor, tapping away. I like it.
0: <laughs> How are you feeling about the album at the moment?
1: Yeah, I feel, um, you know, there's a little sense of anticipation for it, but I often find that I kind of disconnect from that process a little bit, probably out of pure survival mode. And then, you know, it's funny because we've been releasing singles along the way you know a, a song will come out and then the next day or two i'm feeling really swirly and i'm like what's going on and i think it's just some sort of post vulnerability hangover but
0: i single anxiety i know
1: so it's good i i i find that uh, the release of this for like my creative cycle is really important i find it really hard to kind of sink myself into the next project when this thing is still you know not out there so I'm kind of excited to get rid of it so I can get on to the next thing
0: well it just takes so bloody long to Mm -hmm. put something out when when did you finish the album we recorded this in
1: July of 2022 okay Um, that is a long time ago yes Mm. so and you know a lot of the songs I'd written even you know a couple years before that so it's definitely been on a journey, um, yeah. and a slow one.
0: Yes. <laughs> and have you been in crisis the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> like, please
1: tell me there's some sort of relief.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, you know, tongue in cheek question, but obviously <laughs> the album is about having a bit of a crisis.
1: I mean, I, I feel like I intend to be quite an existentially angsty person, so, I mean, I'm probably having little crises all the time.
0: But mm, me I would too. say,
1: yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know why, but that's just the way that I'm wired, I guess. But I I think that, you know, what's cool about this in terms of like the faith crisis of this record, say, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like I've moved through a lot of that. And I, I would even say making this record has helped me move through a lot of that, um, which... I'm very grateful for I think music has always been something that has helped me move through things. So um yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't say I'm on the other side solid. I know all things everything's peachy, but I do feel um a, a, probably more peace than I did when I was writing a lot of those songs for sure.
0: And do you think that just to get right into heaviness? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> but you. I obviously I really relate to so much of it because I think to me and I suppose everyone would find their own meaning in the songs that you wrote. But for me, also being a musician and maybe also a musician who's sort of been in the industry quite a long time, when you get older, I think you have just a, a bit more of an identity crisis in terms of can I really do this? What is the longevity of being a musician, especially in Australia? It's funny because
1: I feel I agree with everything you're saying in terms of being an artist, but I don't think even you know some of those things. I haven't even thought about in this context whether I can continue to be an artist or not. Like I feel almost in some of the stuff I was wading through, I felt like almost whether I can be an artist or not is almost irrelevant in some points. You know, mm. I like I, th- but I totally. Relate to the thing you're saying of, you know, you get older and you kind of get channeled by the decisions that you've made or the beliefs that you've formed. Mm. And, you know, when you're younger, you kind of have these finite, you have your life ahead of you in a different way. And, you know, you, and I think you just kind of, yeah, get down the funnel a little bit. And then it becomes deeply problematic if you're down a funnel and you're all of a sudden going, oh, I don't know if I want to be in this funnel or if I, if, if this is what I really think it's all about as well um, and then you have to reckon with that. Um, So, yeah, I think that um, definitely is like a big part of it, just like going on the journey of life for sure.
0: I think it's interesting as someone who, you know, doesn't really know you, um, I I felt really connected to a lot of the messages anyway. Mm. Do you think about just expressing yourself or do you think about trying to connect with other people?
1: Mm, that's a cool question because I think connecting is really important to me, but I, I don't think it's the, the first thing, you know, I feel like, um, I mean, music has been such a great connector in my life to myself, to other people, to the world around me. And so that's what I want to be a part of. And I want to make things that, you know, and I, I guess any way of like telling your little story, And the power of just story connects us and it's crazy when you start seeing like how we can have such different contexts and, you know, in our lives, but so many stories can still resonate because the human experience kind of transcends that. And um, I feel that, you know, so often when I like write a song, like i'm not i'm not a very good craftsman in terms of being like i want to write a song about this or even like this is my job i should you know 9 to 5 or whatever like do my craft i am very much like if the muse strikes maybe i'll sit down and listen if i'm feeling brave enough you know like i think um, sure. so in some ways i don't i don't feel like i have A much at at the initial like birth of a song like I just it's just kind of whatever's churning around in there Mm -hmm. um and then I guess it's cool and you know part of that like you know then I sometimes I work on some of the songs of Tim or some of them are fully formed but I think even that act of working with someone else I think helps then maybe can connect it more with other people uh, having someone else's perspective in it um But then there are some songs that, yeah, just a raw expression of someone that just happens to, like, hit a chord with some other people too, you know. And, yeah, it's cool, I guess. You know, it's not for everyone, but I think it's cool when you can find the people and the moments that touch, you know.
0: Absolutely. I like what you said about when you share your personal stories that that's when things touch you the most. Do you ever feel vulnerable about sharing too much of yourself? It's yes. obviously a very personal record, this one.
1: Yes, and I think um, probably the most uh, personal and raw I've been. I think that historically I have felt comfortable sharing emotional, you know, content or songs as long as I felt like the lyrics are kind of clever or a little bit of a story or the music's interesting. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of... Whereas I feel like there are some moments on this record where it's just like bleh, I don't I don't have any any like interesting take on that or I don't have like a a, a little anecdote on that. It's just literally like, um, you know, the what I'm feeling at that moment, which um, is it's yeah, it's not my mo necessarily. I think I'm much more of like actually a head led person.
0: Mm, interesting. I,
1: it's often I will write a song, and then I'll be like. That's interesting that something's going on down there that <laughs> <laughs> needs to come out. Yeah, what is it, heart? That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Like, Hello. <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite quite helpful in some ways. But, yes, I think that this record is a bit of a step in that. And, you know, but, in again, it wasn't a conscious step. I think that that was just the season I was in when I was writing. Mm. I was a, a new mum. I think you're pretty yeah. raw in that space and yeah
0: I, th- I think it it is really interesting listening to it because you know you have lyrics like you're, you're one bend away from a break and in that song I think you say something about the world being fucked up and you know there's definitely things in there that are very raw and very uh then they're, they're not poetic you know they're they're mm-hmm. like this is what I'm feeling right now mm-hmm. yes um I love that stuff
1: yeah that's cool and i guess it's kind of permitting in some ways like i think that and maybe that's even part of the journey i've been on like i think it's so really it's been hard for me to share something without tacking on a little clause on the end being like but it's okay yeah you know, I'm, fine, I'm fine everybody everything yeah. you know all like but i i or I'll, I'll like share something that i've been through and then i'm but i'm all good now you mm. know to actually just be like this is the moment that I'm in and I don't have an answer or a way at this point, but it's, you know.
0: Another thing I noticed when I listened to the record, first of all, the first couple of notes on the record made me feel like it was going to be like a Sonic Youth record. I was like, oh, wow, this is really unexpected from this band. Mm.
1: Well, I actually, the opening track I do think is maybe a little bit of a fake out, (laughs) you know, it's it's like a minute and a half of something. And I really love that track, but it's like, it's not like this is what the record's going to be like. You're like, oh, okay, and then it's like, skirt.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a lot of hope on the record, you know. There's mm. definite moments of love and, and hopefulness and um, that really carries through as well.
1: That's cool. You know, I think that's something that has always been quite inherent in our middle kids' songs and I think that's, you know, the hope piece always kind of... A- is able to be there and that feels important to me because I think you know and and I, I guess even you know us calling it faith crisis part one mm. the part one is almost this opening it's not like I had a crisis of faith and now I just don't believe anything anymore and everything's I lost it all like it's just it's actually almost a sign that like I'm, I'm moving through it we're moving through it and there's probably going to be another one and that's okay because mm. that's just life. And actually, like, you know it's'm it's there's still a lot of belief and hope, which just felt important to even have in the album name because I think that it could if we just called it faith crisis, it could just feel a little bit nihilistic or dead or it's just yeah. the loss of something. And there yeah. is a loss there, but that's then so something else can be reborn. And I think that's in all our records, I think that's been something that has kind of carried through.
0: Do you worry that people, when they see the word faith, they automatically think about God and religion?
1: I don't worry about it. I feel I assume that they might. And, I mean, I think, yeah, I feel like every body has their own faith context. Um, I I do feel, though, like we're just in a time where, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of even separated and moved away from religiosity and a lot of that culture anyway um which in in some ways like intrigues me and you know then almost like I wonder if we there's a bit more freedom now around the word faith because of just where people are choosing to align themselves um and then I'm interested in like I, I yeah maybe I'm not afraid I'm interested I'm mm-hmm. really interested in like what does that mean for people and what does that make them think of um because that that is a part of my crisis, but, you know, it was also many other things of, like, becoming a new mom, being in the pandemic, um, mm. you know, even, like, beliefs you have around relationships and intimacy and all these things. It's like it's, there's so many little crises we're having all the time and having to, like, re-get a new thesis because something has come in and does not align with something we thought was true. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't – we talked about that actually. Is like would this be a barrier for some people? And, you, you know, it might be, but I think that it felt more important to let that theme be what it is than, you know, hide away from that.
0: Yeah, interesting. Your faith crisis, you're saying it's a little bit about religion. What form does that take for you? Did you have a religious upbringing or –
1: I've had like a, it's it's not, I wouldn't even say it's religious. I've had a very, um, it's a spiritual upbringing and that I would say is like built on the general tenets of the Christian Judeo, you know, faith. And so I think it's been very like Jesus-centered. Um, but in terms of where I was brought up, but I didn't actually go to church or anything, so I didn't have that kind of uh, religious uh, framework that I almost, which is funny because like the boys in my band did. They came from very religious homes and have had to go on their own journey to kind of reckon with that, break out of parts of that, accept other parts of that. Whereas I felt like I just as a kid had such a natural belief in the idea of God and I loved that idea. But also I was like quite a loose, wild teenager child and <laughs> and never felt like, I really fit in that kind of world. Like I, I even like I wanted to in some ways and tried, but I never felt like I. You were just sinning. Kind of a little bit. <laughs> just yeah, like I, and you know, and even that's been part of the journey. I think of like having to, you know, accept parts and whatever. But like it's just funny because we joke about it all the time that like the boys were like good church boys growing up, and I was like always wished I could be a good church girl, but I never felt like I could or I fit in or whatever. Um, I love that. But, yeah, I think that in terms of my personal faith crisis, I think, you know, even in the chaos and pain of life, I've always found it very comforting and a beautiful, you know, truth that there's like a divine being. um, And But I found that really like I found that so hard to like get any meaning or uh, peace, or even like I was just so confused by it. Once I had my kid, and we were in a pandemic, and my kid was really sick for a long oh, time, no. and and it's like, you know, it's crazy though. But it's like I don't know why, you know, because it's not like I've had other hard things go on in life, and yet it was never a question for me. But I think this time particularly, I just felt like it really came, and that was like quite confronting to me because. You know, the idea of God had never actually really felt like a burdensome thing to me or Mm. like a you know, because I didn't grow up with much baggage of like having to perform in any certain way. I just it was actually something quite light and like curious and beautiful to me. So it was like quite painful to go through a place where I was like, Oh no, this what is this? You know?
0: Yeah, I totally get that.
1: Hmm.
0: I had this really weird thing happen. I'm not a particularly spiritual person, but I got this really um, mystery illness a couple of years ago and where I was pretty much bedridden for about three months. And, you know, it was the first time in my entire life that I started like bargaining to something. Mm. It it was, it really freaked me out actually, because I've never really like believed in God or anything. And I don't think I was bargaining with God, but I was definitely bargaining with something like the universe or yeah, it was the first time I've ever gone like, if there's something out there, please help me. That
1: is so massive.
0: Yeah. So I would call that like, almost like a crisis of faith, I think. Mm. I mean, I think I was just like in crisis. Yes. But some faith I think came into it which was really confronting and interesting. So I think I can relate to that feeling, you know, mm. of of going what is what is it all about and yeah, helps and asking for help from something when yes. things are grim.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's the point there like I feel like you get to these places where you're like I need something else, like this I can't and I don't know what that is, but S- something
0: he- I need something here. Yeah, drugs. You yeah, need dr- No, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, there are other things.
0: And are you having another baby? Yes. <laughs> wow. Am. Wow. Um, tell me about touring with a baby. So I mentioned Sonic Youth before. Uh, this will be my second Sonic Youth reference for the podcast. Great. Strong. So. <laughs> I remember like reading articles when I was a teenager about um, Kim and Thurston from Sonic Youth. They were like the first couple in a band that I sort of knew about um, that would take their baby on tour and I thought it was the coolest thing. Is that how you feel or is the reality a little different?
1: (laughs) I mean I will say it's not cool but it's – it's pretty fucking awesome actually. Like yeah. I, I I'm so grateful to be able to tour with my kid. Mm. Like it's fun, but also like after tour I'm a shell of women because we just did we did 10 weeks in America just now. And um I mean the tour itself I think was maybe 7. We did 32 cities. Yeah. We went so hard and you know Sunny he's 3 and he just slept around with us. But it was awesome because you know, in the daytime, I don't have we don't have anything on, so we mm. can just explore the city together. And then, um, yeah, it felt actually really good. But it it is intense because then all day I'm with Sunny, and I go straight into sound check, play the show, hang out, whatever, pass out, yeah. and then do it again. Um, but you know, it's kind of the the gift, and then also you know a, a challenge of being in a band with your partner because yeah you get to be a little unit but it's also um touring is not very kid friendly I would say um you know we've been really lucky this last tour we went on we were like I just felt so thankful because we were supporting a couple of bands and you know I just think there's been so many tours I've been on where I'm like the idea of a three-year-old being around you know all the drugs and whatever it's just like it's not awesome but then this and you know, you can choose to do it in different ways, but of course felt really like great this last tour and um oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it was really nice and he loved it and so I don't know, it's still something we're definitely like figuring out how to do it. Um but I, I just feel so thankful that I can. Like you know, I used to think I saw like two different tracks for my life when I was younger. I was either going to be, you know, this like dysfunctional musician
0: just like there, just sinning all over the shop, yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> and then, and then or I was going to be this like mum housewife, and I couldn't really like see how these two would fit together, and um, I didn't really want either in isolation, but i yeah, I couldn't really believe or see the way, but it's just cool, like you just chip away at things and mm. you don't really know how to, it all works out, but I've been. Yeah, very stoked at the way that we've been able to do it thus far and I don't know how long we'll be able to do it for
0: but it's, it's pretty sick. Two kids on tour is going to be a whole nother thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, dude, I'm like I just figured out how to do this with one. Like what am I doing?
0: You'll need but, a whole bus to yourself,
1: Yeah, family I mean, bus. Yeah,
0: <laughs> whatever it takes.
1: Nah. Well, it's it, this one's interesting too because – um, when I had Sunny, it was COVID, so I didn't start touring until he was a bit older. Mm. And like, we're going to do the album tour, and the next buddy's uh, three months old. And I'm like, wow, I've never like that. That feels like a new level, like nursing and touring. And
0: oh yeah, um,
1: so we'll see how we go.
0: Just nurses between gigs. Just chuck him you know? on the titty, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pump before stage. <laughs> yeah, be <exactly>. fine.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It'll be good. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um you produced this album with Jonathan Gilmore and co-produced with Tim I believe Mm -hmm. um what was that experience like so I've, I've heard you sort of say that this was like the most produced sort of thing that you've ever done can you talk to me a little bit about what that process was like
1: it was awesome.
0: And, uh, you know, it's, we all love the 1975, and that's
1: kind of how we ended up working with John. Mm. And which is cool because we all, all three of us have quite varied tastes. And so it's cool when we find a band that we're like, we can all lock in on, and be like, in terms, particularly in terms of like a sonic space, we want the record to sit in. Um, and so it was just so good because. You know, we went over to England and we were in this little seaside town, Eastbourne, and we went so hard for five or six weeks. I can't even remember. I think we took two days off in that entire time. And um, it was great because, you know, Tim's a very particular person in the best way, but, you know, you just never really know what co-producing is going to look like. We didn't know John and um, they just worked so well together. And it was awesome. I felt like very privileged to have his ears and his imagination in the record. I feel like there's definitely a few songs that have his, you know, fingerprints all over them and I'm just totally delighted. Um, I think too, you know, I grew up listening to so much of that kind of British indie rock, you know, and we, I guess just because of where our music's kind of clicked a bit more, we've been in America more. And then I think from all the touring, we we're quite influenced by that American indie sound, and and then just a lot of our connections are there. I I was just like so stoked to kind of get more in the, you know, the British legacy.
0: Yeah. Uh, um.
1: So that was like very exciting.
0: What? Are, so you talking about growing up and listening to British stuff? What were you listening to when you were a kid?
1: Well, just like the classic, like Radiohead, Muse, like all that kind of indie stuff. Like, and then I'd like heaps, like, post-rock, like, Godspeed, Black like Emperor, yeah. Mogwai, like, a lot of stuff that was coming out of Scotland, like, you know, sad stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I loved Mogwai.
1: Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think that um that was, like, very meaningful to me and, and the boys, too. But I think, like, I just have always like my heart you know that music when you find when you're like an early teenager that I still listen to those records today you know so I was pretty cool
0: oh that's amazing and did you growing up did you have lots of music in the house like before you discovered your like post-rock Glaswegian <laughs> lane what were you yeah. what were you listening to as a kid and did you like have like a favorite when you were really little
1: yeah, we had heaps of music. My dad is very into music. Um, a lot of classical music. Um, dad used to do this thing a lot where he would turn all the lights off in the house and play like Richard Strauss or wow. some like epic romantic composer and we'd all have to like lie down and listen to it. Or he would like try that. and like scare us while we're like was because a lot of that music's really intense. Um which is, like, it's so funny at the time. It was just, like, you know, and you always had music played and it's so funny. I live next door to my parents and, like, still sometimes at, like, midnight I can hear my dad blasting Russian choral music coming wow. out from the back of their house. It's so good. He's
0: just, like, making your mum lie on the floor in the dark.
1: <laughs> Mum's like, this, I've lived, like, put up with this shit for way too long.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So you've got classical background. yeah.
1: And I um, I classically trained in piano for many years and mm. that was like a huge part of my upbringing. I was obsessed and I, I took that very seriously and that was like a big thing in my life. Um, and a lot of that I think was just because I was so drawn to that music. Um, and then it was my older brother that kind of started, you know, feeding me burnt CDs of cool indie bands you know that I was like oh um and and then I've always just loved pop too I freaking love pop so um, yeah you can
0: tell you can tell the love of pop in your songwriting (laughs) for sure
1: (laughs) yeah it is Um, nice
0: (laughs) but you know what's cool about the new record is you have these really like more instrumental or like some more sort of like interludey more raw stuff that's a little bit less produced I really love that as well as like a special little expression of whatever you're feeling musically rather than lyrically
1: yeah i really like that too because i feel like especially in so many of our songs we cut all the fat out of it
0: instrumentally you know it's
1: like this chorus verse bye and you know I, i think that's fine and cool in a lot of ways but i just think there's so much that music can say and do without words and especially you know that's so much of the music that i grew up with like not that not the art form of song necessarily but sound and and I I liked and we all just like we made these two little preludes like while we were, were instrumentals while we were in the studio and it just felt nice to have a few moments of breath and maybe because this record is a little bit more intense and um just nice to just kind of like yeah take a second you know
0: totally and it feels quite intimate because there's a bit where you actually you can hear you clearing your throat it feels Eh. like you're just in the room Mm -hmm. um you thought that through let's leave the the throat clear in
1: well it's funny I I wanted to re-record those vocals because I was like they're so shit (laughs) and then we did and then the boys were like nah and I was like oh okay
0: (laughs) it's beautiful I loved it you know I immediately like that was one of the first notes I took apart from sounds like Sonic Youth for the first like, th- you know, three seconds. Um, mm-hmm. I was like throat clearing. There's something really lovely about that that makes you feel like you're not too distant from the listener, you know. Mm, I, I really cool. love that. When you're writing lyrics, you have this real knack for fitting a lot of syllables into short spaces. <laughs> um, but in a in a very poetic way, that's definitely not like a one, two, one, two, or a, B, a B. Do you actually like when you sit down and write lyrics? Do you think about things that you know? I don't want to make this too obvious, or I don't want to. You know, I want to go over this line for a, a few syllables, or just to make it interesting, or does it just plop out of your head? I
1: think it's it's not quite a plop, but I think that it. <laughs> Sorry for
0: making you say plop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for the gift of saying plop. Um, I I think that I'm very. So I'll usually write a melody first, and then I'm kind of saying gibberish while I'm writing the melody. So I'm like playing the piano and writing melody. I was just blah 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 blah, and then it's almost sounds of words that I kind of start fitting together, and then I can almost find a little narrative or a story or a feeling within that. So I do think that's what maybe breaks some of the lyrics out of a like perfect rhyme scheme. I mean sometimes there are moments of that for sure but like I think because I'm not writing the words first I'm like getting a I'm getting like an arc and then and then I'm almost just like following some of the gibberish that I'm making um and you know like I think sometimes it works and sometimes it definitely doesn't work and so (laughs) um you know like hopefully the ones that I land on do end up working and I think it's and it's definitely better for a verse, I would say, than a chorus. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably just part of it. And then also we have, like, a classic thing with Tim where he'll often, like, help me write a second verse um, because I'm very lazy and I hate writing second verses. And so there's, like, a few that he's... Yeah, second verse, same as the first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, aren't the lyrics just good enough to do
0: again? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, no. I'm like, okay. Because um, you like the Ramones? They only ever write one verse. <laughs> exactly
1: like we said it we said it all (laughs) um and it's cool then having his kind of some of his words that kind of you know I really like he's a wonderful lyricist too and so I really like the kind of color he brings out too a lot of the times in the second
0: verse (laughs) Mm, interesting I'm gonna start Mm. listening to the second verses a bit more Mm, yeah I was immediately like oh you come from that like Josh Pike school of putting a lot of syllables into one line which I I love it's so interesting because it's not at all what I do I do very Ah, slow slow words
1: that's nice though I I miss the space sometimes I think you've got the best of both
0: worlds but you're (laughs) definitely good at like writing a very powerful chorus and a very uplifting chorus do you ever um Mm. do you ever write songs where you go it's not it's not big enough it's not up enough and you have to go back to the drawing board.
1: Hmm. Yes, I feel like it. That happens a lot, but I think it was cool on this. Um, the there's a song on there called "Go to Sleep on Me." That is cool because it doesn't have a big chorus, and it took a lot of discipline just to be like, "That's okay." And it's actually yeah. one of my favorite songs on the record. I oh, love it. And so, yeah, it was like nice to not. Because I don't feel like I'm like I have to have a big chorus but I, I guess my tendency is just to go that way. But um, it was nice to make something that felt like it just kind of cruised, you know.
0: Mm. You know, when you're first starting your sort of your live shows are inspired by your studio songs and then when, you, when you're touring a lot, a lot, a lot, your studio songs are very much inspired by your live shows. Mm. Do you feel like you're thinking about your live shows now when you write more than you ever did?
1: That's so interesting. Like, yeah, our first record, it's, like, so influenced by our live show because we had an EP and then we toured, like, all around America and then the whole first record just sounds like a big indie American rock show. And I was almost, like, kind of disturbed by that because I was
0: like, <laughs> I don't know about this that. This is not Mogwai. <laughs> this is, yeah, exactly. not sounding like
1: <laughs> Yes. So um, I don't actually, I don't think about it in the context of that. I think, that I, I, but I would say maybe Tim and Harry do probably a bit more, which is really cool because I think that you know that's so much of you know them being the rhythm section and um, and then Tim producing it. I think that they often are like very connected to that part of the project particularly, and so um, yeah, I feel like our records always end up with like big fuck off drums and like yeah. which which is which is cool, you know, but it's like I that kind of happens maybe a bit later
0: do you still get stage fright or are you sort of at a point now where you are cool with it
1: um it's it's a really interesting time for me in this journey because i uh got sober at the end of last year Mm. and so i feel like i um have kind of had to like readdress those fears in some ways because i just use alcohol to kind of take the edge off Mm. for many years um and because I, I I really struggled initially with being on stage. Um, you know, when I first performed, I would literally just put my head down and just blah, 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 and get off stage. Yeah. <laughs> um and so I feel like I've been having to kind of push through this whole year of trying to kind of kind of yeah, deal with that fear a little bit because it has definitely I've been feeling it a lot more, obviously, mm. because I don't have my crutch anymore. Crutch. But um yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah so yeah, i do and I, I feel like um but even like looking over the course of this year it's been cool to see the ways that i feel like i'm settling into performing sober and um i still definitely get afraid but you know i guess that's live
0: yeah and that's live um do, do you think that the soberness is a long-term thing do you think it's uh, we'll so just wait and it's,
1: see well it I initially, I was said, I'm going to do a year off drinking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever read The Artist's Way, Julia. Yes. Yeah. So that was like, that really inspired me because she's Mm. a recovering alcoholic and she writes a lot about creativity and sobriety. And weirdly, I gave that book to my dad for Christmas last year. And then he was like reading me some of it. And I was like, so shook by what he was reading to me. So then it kind of like triggered this thing within me where I was like, like the idea of like having my creativity like like for me, my creativity is so linked with my drinking mm. and like and bit and then her being like that's so limiting to your creativity. And I'm like, what? You know, like <laughs> um so then I was like and I was also just so burnt out and really struggling with it, feeling like not in control and um And so I was like, maybe I need to like seriously take a year and I've never done this before in my life, like chosen to do that. Mm. And I thought I would do it and I would just like be the best version of myself once, you know, like I'd stop drinking. (laughs) No, I went down terribly, which was like shocking to me, but it was good and really important because I think that I didn't realise how much I had like relied on it in my life like I because I just thought oh yeah not a big deal and then when I actually like had to make the conscious choice to say no I found that deeply confronting Mm. and being like oh this feels awful like (laughs) and so now that I've been on the journey for a year like I'm I'm I'm, at this point I'm feeling like probably might be it for me
0: that's Um, amazing
1: yeah, I think so. I don't know. You, See you know, how you but- go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. See how you go. I, took, yeah. I did five months last year and that was mm-hmm. really interesting, but also like not interesting at all. Like I didn't feel that much more healthy. Mm. I, I felt like it was just the same except I wasn't drinking alcohol. But I, I feel like I don't rely on it as much, you know. I'm. Mm-hmm. For me it didn't feel like that different, but I guess for, for a lot of people they really depend on it. Yes, and I um, really did, and a lot of a lot of musicians do.
1: Yeah, well, and that's why I think it's also been so hard. Or it's taken me a long time to see that I have a problem with it because it's just everywhere. It's like mm. the currency. Like when yeah. we tour, it's like, and um, and when you're on tour all the time, like it's literally you just every day.
0: Yeah, no, and it's free and it's there and it's easy. Yeah, so it's like.
1: Been amazing to kind of even like have some space from it and like mm. felt like I could only see it for as it truly was. Like, once I actually got a bit of space from it, you know.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, mm. yeah, I'd be interested to see how that goes for you for the next while. What you know, album tour. I mean, I guess you'll also have a, a baby, so that's that's a whole nother reason not to drink.
1: <laughs> well, I know it was like it's so funny. I feel like I got like the ultimate cheat code in my year of sobriety. <laughs> I'm like,
0: I'll just get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> easy done
1: yeah i'm just going to be perpetually pregnant now
0: <laughs> forever yeah. pregnant or breastfeeding for the rest <laughs> yeah. of my life exactly <laughs> um hey can you tell me what is christmas
1: oh yes it's a movie that i acted in what tell know. me about that so wild uh, it actually premiered last week on the same day oh. that bend came out Ah. Oh. Um, so it was, it's a, It's like an Australian indie film.
0: Amazing. And,
1: um, the director Heath Davis reached out to me a few years ago now and he's, he, I guess he liked the band. And then he wrote this character with me in mind for the movie. And he asked me if he could send me a script and I was kind of like, okay, dude. And <laughs> just kind of thinking like, you know nothing of it and then i read the script and i was like wow the script's really beautiful and and it was just kind of this thing that just chipped you know slowly formed and it was during covid so we went touring like there's no way i would have been able to film a movie mm. you know if we were just on our normal touring schedule yeah, of and also i've never acted in my life before yeah, and I was i've ask. never yeah i've never like considered that as something that's even interesting to me, like, you know, I'm an indie musician. I'm not like, like, I'm introverted and deeply insecure. I'm not, I don't have that <laughs> acting, like, hello. I'm <laughs> um, like, so it's just never been really on my radar. Um, but you but felt like just, you could do it. You're brave enough well, to do it. Kind of. And I just felt like, you know, I had the space. I felt I was like, you know, creativity begets creativity. Surely this will bear good fruit. And also, the two other actors were, like, amazing Australian actors that I was like, and I knew of them, and I was like, oh, okay, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, so, and, you know, my, at first I just said I'll keep saying yes until I feel like I have a reason to say no, like yeah. whether I didn't feel comfortable doing something or, I, you know, but every step along the way just felt really cool and I loved it. And I actually wrote Bend when I was on set because oh,
0: wow.
1: I was, like, you know, living or staying in a hotel while filming the movie by myself, and I was away from my son and
0: yeah. Tian,
1: and, I, and we were then flying to England a few days after the filming Rap to make a record.
0: Oh, wow. And I was just
1: feeling, like, so
0: overwhelmed. and Close so, to a breakdown. Yeah. yeah keeping the p- pieces together.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of cool how they've, like, It's like the movie's kind of weaved into, you know, the release of the record. Oh, that's Um, so cool. Yeah. So I watched it for the first time. Oh, how do you feel? I mean, I feel like the movies. it's a beautiful story. I don't look at myself being like, wow, I should act more. (laughs) I'm like, I think I have moments that are like fine and good, but I'm not like, wow, I have this hidden gift that I need to (laughs) like,
0: explore well some people might watch it and go she has a hidden gift and (laughs) cast you in further things yeah I don't know but I suppose like you you know you've you've been in front of a camera you've done heaps of video clips and you know there's something about that that's you know at least a little bit like familiar
1: I think that was super helpful. I mean, once I got over the fact, you know, when you make a video clip you're meant to just look down the barrel of the yeah. camera the whole time. And I at the first few days of shooting, the director had kept having to be like, stop looking at the camera. I'd be <laughs> like <Sorry. laughs> Jimmy, I'm doing the opposite. Like That's but great. yeah, I think yeah. I think it was helpful just to, you know, not be total alien to having mm. a camera on you. So yeah.
0: that was Hey, good. in the Bend video, those kids are so great. Oh, my gosh,
1: they're so great.
0: Was it real blood? Was it a real injury? Oh, it wasn't. (laughs) It looked so real.
1: I know. I was like, who are – these kids were amazing. They were, like, local skater dudes from Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. That my friend found, and they were just – I was the least coolest person on that set, even in terms of all the crew because my friends (laughs) – they made it and they just got all their friends to come and help and right. it was just like one of those things where I was like I don't belong here but thanks for this everybody yeah yeah so
0: that was it's a yeah,
1: great that was an awesome day yeah, yeah it's great cool. looking
0: vid um hey I'm gonna ask you my last question which is the question that I ask everyone can you tell me what is your strangest show experience or just the strangest thing that's happened to you because you're a musician
1: Oh, I mean, there's so many as you would know just because you are a musician. But the yeah. first one that came to my mind was we were playing a festival and someone like peeled a banana and they threw it at me on stage and what? I like got hit by banana shrapnel.
0: <laughs> what?
1: And I know, but it was just so funny because it's like they took the time to peel
0: it. That's like the thing yeah, I, I always think about. Rude. Did you see <laughs> see them in the audience? With I did banana. No, I didn't. Secret peeling. Yeah, but I was like,
1: I kind of loved it in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I also like, this is like something that I think about sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe someone peeled a banana and
0: threw it at me. Yeah. Where'd the <laughs> banana go? Do you think they ate it first and then were like, what am I going to do with this peel? I know. I'll throw it at it."
1: <laughs> no, no, I got the banana. Oh, you got the banana? <laughs> they gave me the best bit. Oh, I thought
0: you were hit with the peel.
1: No, Oh my god. But And it kind of hit like you. it like it really hit me. Like I was like so yeah. It didn't hurt cuz you know, at least there's a soft fruit.
0: That is so weird. <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah, that's Same a good one. Yeah.
1: That's
0: a good one. And someone will draw that and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Splat. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for making the time and um I'm excited for the world to hear your record.
1: Mm, Thank you.